You're listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground, 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 cartoon, therapy. Then you'll be in school. Fuck you! And fuck the establishment! And fuck you people who are trying to make me part of the unestablished establishment! Alright, I'll pick you up tomorrow at 11 o'clock. I'll take you to the zoo, then we'll go to the ball game. Welcome to the show, guys. It's the fucking fuck school. The fuck school episode. (laughs) And if you don't know what this is, that's alright. You're just not old enough, kid. You'll have to go fucking look it up. It's part of the mystery and enchantment of my fucking show. I'm going to tell you some stories tonight, man, because fuck school, I'm fucking, I've had no, I just had a shit run through it, man, I mean, most of life is a shit run, (laughs) I'm going to tell you about fucking elementary school horror, I'm going to tell you about middle school horror, I'm going to tell you about my fucking radicalization from high school, and one year of fucking art school, uh, yeah, about that, <laughs> uh, this episode is Smoked You by Gelato, and I'm fucking, uh, drinking some, uh, <laughs> 11 hour Maxwell House I've had sitting in my fucking fridge. And I just had some hummus, so that should go pretty well tonight. This episode is Grandma Gutterpunk of fucking proof. My mom's gonna have a few school stories here at the end of it. But, you know, I've had a lot of ga- uh, gas on. Gas. I've had a lot of gas on. <laughs> I've had a lot of gas and guests. And the guests that I've had have been pretty fucking awesome. But I haven't had the ability to tell. And some of these stories are going to be fucking pretty far out, man. You know. I try not to disappoint when I'm telling these story time motherfuckers. Guess it just depends on how you're feeling. But the stories, they live forever. Alright, join me and my mom as we get this fucker rolling. <laughs> right on. We'll be right by you. <laughs>
to the class of Newcomb High. Yes, at Newcomb High, strange things are happening. The Honor Society has changed from a group of clean-cut preppies into a vicious gang of cretins. We're the youth of today. The teenage student body is transformed into horrifying mutations. And physical education is turned into a nightmare of violence. Introducing Warren and Chrissy. I love you. Two young lovers caught in a world gone mad. The class of Newcomb High. Yes, at Newcomb High, anything can happen. The class of Newcomb High, where you'll learn the three R's. Reading, writing, and radiation.
Well, you know, fucking school episode, right? So you guys start in preschool. I guess that's the fucking beginning of it. <laughs> of this bullshit. <laughs> I was addicted to romper room, man. When I was like, you know, four years old. I remember watching it like four, three, four, five. And the mascot's name was Doobie, so I think that says something. Oh, and then she would do the little Doobie dance. <laughs> Flap those wings, which later transpires into smoke that weed. It's the first time I ever broke a bone, too. I broke my collarbone in preschool. Dropped my little drawing in the front of the car or whatever. Dashboard, bent over, broke my collarbone. Well, knew I was off to a good start. <laughs> Never was a fucking fan of school, dude. I remember, like, when I knew I had to go to kindergarten, and I had my, I remember my teacher, kindergarten teacher was Miss Glasgow, it was 1977, turning 78, some shit like that. I remember that was the first time I ever heard uh, the word abortion. <laughs> what a great kindergarten memory. I remember uh, the teacher had been knocked up, apparently, by her boyfriend who had left her. And she was crying and having a breakdown in the middle of class. And I remember this little black girl named Kalinda. She was cool, man. <laughs> but she's like, ooh, that bitch gonna have an abortion? I had no idea what the fuck she was talking about. I did learn a couple years later exactly what it was. <laughs> Ironically, that moment became intertwined into my comics as some form of fucking art therapy, you know? <sighs> also, kindergarten was when I had to draw this... I remember we had to draw these Thanksgiving heads or we had to trace our hands and draw the turkey, and then you had to draw like a head, and we had to do uh, either a pilgrim or an Indian, and I picked the Indian, and I remember this kid, Sidney, his name was Sidney Gross, out there in Akron, Ohio, when I was in a elementary school, Glover was the name of the school, and I remember him looking over at the drawing, and going, dude, your drawing fucking sucks. <laughs> we 
And I just thought it was just a challenge. And I just kind of took it as a challenge and was like, I'm going to keep drawing. And I knew that I had this kind of fucking thing. And I was just sitting there fucking drawing. And, uh... <laughs> I think I just kind of drew all the way through it. I might have flood, flooded the toilets in kindergarten. And they were trying to suspend me or something. Or maybe this other kid did it and was trying to blame me. Something like that. But that's kindergarten. When first grade came around, there were a couple few cool things about it. But... I hated my fucking teacher, man. She was the first teacher I hated. Miss Ginther. Ugh, just a fucking putrid fucking cunt. I fucking hated her ass, man. She was just... I knew that I was always going to have people out for me. <laughs> and uh, there was just this one time, I thought it was like near the end of the school year, and I wasn't thinking, and I just pulled out a piece of fruit that I had from lunch that I didn't eat. And I fucking just opened up and started eating it. And that was a huge fucking blasphemous thing to do, you know, uh, back then. In the, uh, I guess it was like right at 79, getting ready to turn into 80. It wasn't 80 yet. <laughs> And I remember Miss Ginther uh, physically abusing me, man. It was She made me stay after school. I was really bummed out about it. And I remember, like, it was like a huge cement stair column. And I remember she uh, decided to go ahead and grab me by the collar and yelled at me and then threw me down the stairs. And my mom just kind of sat in the car and watched it happen and didn't do anything. And I remember that being some kind of PTSD. You're just carrying the shit around. Coming out of that time period. And that's pretty young for shit to be happening like that. And there weren't really these rules and, you know, where a kid could just like film it on TikTok even now and expose that person. It would be all over the news and shit. We didn't have those advantages at that point, man. And I, for a long time in America before that, it had always been that way until the abilities came around uh, and the generations now, thankfully, can protect themselves. And, you know, you can use that technology to fuck shit up, or you can use it to uh, protect other kids. And in that case, I could have used it in my corner. I'll never forget my mom, my real mom. Not Grandma Gutterpunk, y'all. I, I know I have to explain that a lot, but Grandma Gutterpunk is my adopted mom. My real mom wasn't really that much of a mom. and I just remember having that fucking kind of bad traumatic view of it first grade was nothing that I really cared about dude it fucking uh, was the opening of 
hey, here's a world of abusive people that are just going to plague you for the rest of your life. It's kind of the beginning of that shit. All right, let's go to second grade. <laughs> second grade was a totally different bag, man. I really enjoyed second grade. <laughs> I had a friend, you know, his name was Javon. And he was really like my first black friend. I love that motherfucker, man. And I met other black kids in the community. And I knew white and black kids in Akron, Ohio. And it was just this time period where we were just little kids. I think little kids now have to deal with way more adult shit. <laughs> but we weren't too far behind. I think people thought we were stupid. We did. We weren't. You know, we already knew a lot of shit. But you don't know nothing. You're you're in second grade. I had a crush on my uh, second grade teacher, Miss Honaker, and uh, she was this beautiful black woman, and she really moved me. I just thought she was just super hot, man. I, I couldn't explain it. <laughs> I know I told it on another episode. I'll tell it again, because the story remains the same. <laughs> the song remains the same, man. And I remember coming up to her, and I told her this R-rated joke about Blueberry Hill, about the first day of school. And she's like, I wanted to tell you a joke. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Well, <laughs> it's the first day of school, and all these kids are late for school, you know. And when the teacher asks them where they've been, they all say, oh, I've been on Blueberry Hill. And one boy comes in, next little boy. You know, it's like five or six little boys come in. And then this little girl shows up, and she's like, I don't see you on my... Uh, attendance list who are you and she goes I'm Blueberry Hill <laughs> and all these little boys had been on Blueberry Hill my teacher loved me forever I gotta take the moment to say that uh, in that 77 78 time period right there I got to see Star Wars in the theater and I gotta tell you, man, it changed my whole fucking dynamics <laughs> like it did every other fucking person in the fucking world. But I just wanted to take the moment to say, you know, in second grade during Halloween or whatever, they had the Ben Cooper costumes. Ben Cooper out of New York having the... Uh, shell mask and the flame retardant fucking play mat fucking thing and I'll never forget it second grade Halloween 1978 you had three C-3PO's four Darth Vader's and I was Chewbacca and I remember at least four other Chewbacca's <laughs> let's just say we all liked Ben Cooper man that's what was around and that was a cool ass time period way before the defamation of Star Wars here in the future. <laughs> Alright, let's get back to the show. <laughs> long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far the fuck away. 
the city of Akron, Ohio has continuously reinvented itself. Into a bigger piece of shit. Oh man, fucking Akron. You know, I remember Akron was getting shoved down in our faces like in the textbooks. We had to do a lot of study on Akron, Ohio. I did learn a lot about it. They had the fucking soapbox derby. You know, you had the fucking Cuyahoga River getting polluted. Devo came out of there and a bunch of other fucking music. But all this shit had to get birth out of the fucking molten bullshit of Oh god. My third grade teacher, Miss Medvin. You got to rewind it to the end of second grade. I had this Oscar the Grouch puppet. And I remember doing this Oscar the Grouch puppet show for my friends in second grade. So by the time we got to third grade, I couldn't wait till the first day. I was like, hey, I'm just going to leave the puppet up on her desk, you know. <laughs> it was like this beat up old Oscar the Grouch. Miss Medvin. She was not a nice woman, man. She came out and... Oh, God. Shut the fuck up. Who cares? If you want to do study on Akron, Ohio, go do it your fucking self. Anyway, I remember her just being this pissed off, socially demented munchkin of a woman. And she was just another one of these kind of hardened, stereotypical, asshole-like teachers from back then. <laughs> I'll spare you the details of how she ridiculed me about having a dirty old Oscar the Grouch puppet on her desk on the first day of school. <laughs> I just knew it was going to be, up. Oh, here we go. Made it through the whole fucking year, though, man. It fucking sucked. It was abusive. Um, and on the home front, abuse was just now starting to, like, kind of rear its head, but not really. It was just now 1980. And I remember, like, when it turned 1980, I was like, the good shit's over with. <laughs> I already felt that way then. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I remember, man, 80... And everybody trying to act all 80s as soon as it was 80 in the decade of the 80s. I didn't know how hardcore it was really all going to be, man. But I was at the beginning of it with Miss Medvin. There was this time where she was like, hey, here's the, here's the people that can't go on this field trip. And she would just purposefully pick on motherfuckers. And my name was on this list. I had some, I had gotten in trouble. I couldn't do anything right. Um, and the class was going to take a field trip to this place called Old Stone School. It's like the first elementary school in Akron. Probably in Ohio or in the country. I don't know. It might have been the first elementary school. I don't know about that. You have to go look at the fuck up. Old Stone School. And then they were going to a planetarium, too. And so I think I that was one of the first times I was able to put some kind of like uh, uh, enchantment fucking spell on my teacher, you know, it was totally all. And I audaciously got up in the line and stood there anyway like my shit didn't stink, and I pulled an enchantment spell on her. Kind of like one of my first warlock bits. <laughs> Somehow I was able to go with the class and go to the old school. Didn't care about that so much. 
But I remember getting to that planetarium and sitting back in that old school planetarium and like on these chairs, I just kicked back directly back like a dentist chair and looking at the gigantic dome of the Akron planetarium and being like, now this is kind of the payoff, ain't it? You know? Now is really this highlight of third grade. The rest of it fucking blue balls. All right, next, fourth grade. That's when it gets kind of interesting. Fourth grade, that was the year the abuse started on the home front. And uh, the first part of fourth grade really was awful. You were still allowed to punish kids in school. You still were allowed to, like, have these big-ass paddles that had holes in them, and they'd come down and swat you. Sometimes you had to pull your pants down around your ankles and have your bare ass out. It's really fucking crazy shit. could never get away with this fucking stuff now, you know? I came to school with a black eye. My dad had hit me. I don't know, I was like right at um, 10 years old. And my guidance counselor had put me in this weird position. Was like, hey, I need to know how you got this black eye. And I didn't want to tell him. I was scared of my dad already. (laughs) But he coerced me into feeling like I would even get in trouble if I didn't tell him, you know. And, uh... So I did, and I was scared to death. I was like, you can't tell my parents this shit. Oh, man, the guy turned around and did the thing that you, you know, really can't do is kind of fuck with a kid and betray their trust. And he did, and he told my parents. And I remember my uh, dad really fucking being super violent this one night after that. It was the night that he found out. My mom, my real mom, was all threatening me. Now we're going to have to send you to a home and you're going to have all this bad stuff happen to you. They tell me this shit, man. She couldn't wait to fucking get my dad all riled up and beat the fuck out of me. And it's a hard thing to talk about. Especially when you're like in fourth grade and you're trying to go through school and all this shit. Uh, my guidance counselor had told, and then I came back and I was beat up more, and my guidance counselor just acted like I didn't even exist. I'll never forget that. It's kind of where the beginnings of these mistrusts come from, you know? I know I wasn't the only one that this happened to back then either. And unfortunately, it was a lot of reason that Generation X just turned out so loathing and god forbid you're a fucking punk half you guys are fucking dead now i don't even know how we made it this far i decided to go ahead and keep the element and put it in my uh comic super j and it's a story about kids dealing with an abuse an abusive world towards kids and them being like these vigilante kids that assessed this thing 
going against their first case, a guidance counselor that betrays the trust of other kids that are getting beaten and gets off on it, keeps a journal of it. This is a problem in America, and we're not done talking about this part. The other part of fourth grade, my, my fourth grade teacher was okay, man. You know, I mean, she was strict and stuff, but she wasn't out for me or whatever. But I did think she was a little racist towards black kids in the class. Whatever. We had to do this fucking IQ test thing. And I did this IQ test. And I got like, I don't know, like 140 on it or something really fucking high. Something up there and for that level. And my grandfather was CEO of General Tire in Akron, Ohio when I was in fourth grade. He didn't really know that my dad was becoming a monster at home yet. And then later on in my life, unfortunately, I found out it was because of my grandfather, which is generally how these things work out. At that time, I thought my grandfather was one of the greatest guys in the world. And he was friends with a, a man named Lindy Browning, who was ex-Air Force commander and was friends with my grandfather. My grandfather got word of the IQ test thing and he was already friends with Browning. And Browning was like, do you care if I go talk to him? And I remember him coming to the school and wanting to talk to me. And I thought it was weird. And it wasn't like the regular shit that was going on at school or whatever. And he was like, hey, I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> he had this Air Force commander outfit on and all this shit. And uh, he's like, I want you to spend some time with me. He's like, I'm a cartoonist. I heard you were a cartoonist. And I was like, yeah. And he took me under his wing. And for the next, like, few years, I would have gone, starting in Indi Indiana, uh, to study uh, with him and for him to help me out with some really professional cartooning shit. The Quill Pen, he was friends with Jim Henson, Mort Drucker, who did Beetle Bailey, and Charles Schultz, and he had these drawings all over his house. I read a lot. I read more than I ever read before. <laughs> he kind of just opened my mind, and he helped me out. I still got this photo of me and him at the Chicago Field Museum of Natural History in 81 or 82. And he took me to uh, this room and it was filled with Menza members and I got to hang out with them and they honorably let me in as an honorable member of Menza. I still didn't even really knew it, know what it meant by at that point. <laughs> but Browning saved my life on some level, man. And I got through it. Rest in peace, Brownie. Gonna do an episode with you soon. Fifth grade was just as bad. 
But at least my teacher was fucking hot. <laughs> Miss Wilson. <laughs> really had a crush on her, man. So my sexual interests were definitely developing. But uh, I was still sitting with the sting of last year. And I wasn't about to let them fucking touch me anymore. Not paddle me or anything. I wish I could have been that way with my dad, but it didn't happen. There was one incident. I was in this, uh, I was really into Michael Jackson. And Thriller and all this stuff was out. I really wanted to draw a picture of Michael Jackson with that yellow vest on, that PYT thing. And, uh, I was coming out of class, I had a detention. There was some black kid in there named Robert. He had a detention. And, uh, we were walking out of the class, going outside. I was walking home. I was only three blocks away. And he said, what'd you call me? And I was like, huh? He goes, I know you, you called me a nigger. I hadn't. I, I didn't say shit. And he goes, you called me a fucking nigger. And I was like, leave me alone, dude. And we went outside and uh, he told some high school black kid that I dropped an N-bomb on him. I hadn't. And that kid beat the fuck out of me, man. <laughs> and when he was done, I had to go home. And my dad was like, what the fuck happened to you? And I was like, some kid said I called him some name I didn't, and he had some big kid beat the shit out of me. He's like, and you let it happen? And I remember my dad just fucking tore into me, man, fucking violently. Threw me down a flight of stairs going into the basement. And I remember just picking up this pencil, and I could barely lift my arm. I did this bust-ass fucking picture of fucking Michael Jackson and I was afraid I was going to get beat up again but I uh, finished it and I brought it to school it was the first time I ever won an award for my art I gave it to my friend Charles in fear that the drawing would be tear torn up if I took it back home. So he held on to it. But I did learn that I was going to be a famous artist. And I remember how happy everybody was when they saw it and they couldn't believe I'd drawn it. That's kind of what set my career off was that moment. I knew that kid Robert was getting beat up by his dad too, probably. I understood and I forgave him. But for the record, you know, 
I liked Robert, man. I would have never said any of that crap to him. Fifth grade came and went, and so did my crush for my teacher, and now we go to sixth grade. When you're in an abusive relationship with your parents and you're a kid, time kind of goes by forever. That 1984 turning 85 year was sixth grade. Not fun. <laughs> I had a good teacher though, man. Mr. Grimes. He actually cared about me. It was one of these adults that actually had their head together. It probably would have gotten me out of the situation I was definitely in if they had known better. I passed sixth grade okay, but that was... The abuse was just awful. Now it was like every day. Every day I was in trouble. And I was getting in fights at school. And I, uh... I knew I was strong. There were a couple incidents. Put this guy's nose inside of his fucking skull. Not bragging about it. I just knew I had a certain degree of violence that was unique and not everybody possessed. <laughs> it's a good thing. I got in a fight with this one guy because I would hang out with the black kids all the time. And I remember we were, uh, I was hanging out with my uh, buddies and they brought a bunch of hustler magazines to school. And this one white kid didn't like it that I was fucking reading these hustlers, you can go back and listen to the Northeast Ohio episode. I believe I touch on that there. I was going to kill this motherfucker that touched me and God stopped me from doing it. And all the kids were like, ah, making fun of me because I walked away from the fight. And I knew I was going to get in trouble when I got home. And I did. My dad was not down with me getting fucking losing the fight. At all. I couldn't do anything right though, man. I'd get into a fight and he'd beat me for that. And if I got into a fight and lost, I got beat even harder. So there was no way around it. It's bullshit, man. Sixth grade came and went. We left Akron, Ohio that summer. My dad lost his job at General Tire. My grandfather had left. He was no longer CEO and he didn't have daddy to take care of him. And we all packed up and moved to North Carolina. 
And that's where seventh grade horror disaster begins. You fucking dick. Holy shit, this fucking pissing me off, motherfucker. I can't believe this fucking shit and how bad it's fucking just fucking pissing me the goddamn the fuck off. Skip to the fucking loo, my darling. Fuckity fuck fuck. Seventh grade. I had two jobs. I was a janitor in Akron, and when I went to go visit my grandparents in North Carolina, I was a fucking maid. Eventually, we left Akron. No fucking work. No employment. 300,000 motherfuckers looking for work. My dad was more pissed off than ever. Moved to seventh grade uh, to out there, and... Uh, my dad was a mess. He decided to go ahead and destroy an entirely different family by cheating on this fucking chick that lived across the street from my grandparents. It was stupid, man. My dad had fucking deep, dark delusions of what he thought reality really was, and he didn't care who he fucking hurt to achieve this shit. My mom didn't care because she was kind of like that mom on Natural Born Killers. Mallory sets her on fire at the end. <laughs> My real mom, she probably deserved it. Well, how much shit can I squeeze in about fucking seventh grade? My mom had taken my sister, left me in a fucking den with my, my dad who just beat the shit out of me. She didn't do anything to protect me. And throughout the rest of her life, she would have acted like she didn't have any any kind of help or anything to fucking get me out of there. It's like, let me tell you some women something. If you can't fucking be there for your kid, don't have the fucking kid. Just don't bother, dude. See, when my friend handed me this black flag in my head tape, I was getting the shit beat out of me. I had already made Guinness Book of World Records. Technically, I should be in there. I'm not. You're going to go look for my name. I'm not going to be in there. But I did become the youngest editorial newspaper cartoonist in American history. Pre-internet. Way pre-internet. You know, I was doing shit. I had a friend that was a Mandela effect. You have to go back and listen to the, sh the episode called What the Fuck If. My best friend... Tim Simpson, who I went to school with here, and he becomes a Mandela effect. <laughs> I'm not even going to fucking bother telling you. I was accused of fucking doing drugs when I was really depressed from getting the shit beat out of me. I was fucking down. Secret Wars was out from Marvel. I fucking love that fucking comic. Me and Tim... We were a black guy and a white guy drawing underground comics in this racist-ass North Carolina bullshit. Whites and blacks were fucking with us. And there was just a lot of racist white and black people, dude. It fucking sucked. They suck. They still fucking suck. They're still a pain in my fucking ass. But seventh grade ended in North Carolina. And I finished it out in Florida. In Florida, wasn't as bad, but it was kind of a little bit more fucking hoity-toity. 
I just skateboarded a lot, tried to hang out with fucking metalheads that weren't necessarily racist or anything. I never heard them racist. And I just tried to hang out with these Iron Maiden crew motherfuckers. Still love the punk rock. I thought Gang Green was my favorite punk rock band. It's still one of my favorite punk rock bands. But this Black Flag tape right here, this shit came in at a time when I was psychologically fucking impaired. And Henry Rollins knew that there was just a bunch of motherfuckers that felt like he did. <laughs> if not deeper. <laughs> I'm sure he conceived it. And this song was written for people like me. My dad ended up throwing the fucking tape away. I've had about five copies of it. A couple copies of the record. Next we go to fucking eighth grade. A few things happen in eighth grade, man. Uh, one, a look at my art. It totally changed. Two, I realized I really fucking hated school and pretty much had a pretty solid disdain for the society already. My mom, three, my mom was a fucking psychopath. Four, my fucking sister was definitely a narcissistic, psychopathic, two year younger than me, fucking asshole to me. It fucking sucked. I watched River's Edge that year too. That was pretty fucking cool, man. River's Edge, I'll get to in a minute. First of all, my art, it fucking took off, man. I don't know what happened. I had these, like, visions for the first time. I thought it was kind of like because I got beat. And I was in such an abusive relationship with either my mom or my dad. They both were fucked in the head. They both belonged in fucking prison. It was a good thing I got adopted, man. <laughs> My fucking adopted mom, Grandma Gutterpunk, she's going to be on a little later, but she was definitely there, you know, and eighth grade fucking sucked, like the rest of it, I uh, <laughs> did like where my art was heading, though, it just kind of just picked up a level. If you want to listen to the 72-hour hold, you can hear the travesty that came out of that fucking year, too. I don't want to get into it, man. But I need to get a job on a positive end. I'll talk about that. I met these two brothers that owned a surf shop. And they could see that I could draw all this crazy-ass shit. And they were like, just draw this on our walls, dude. And we'll give you anything you want. I had fucking a couple Palparelta skateboards, shitloads of stickers. My friends were all like, how the fuck did you score this? I was like, I can draw cartoons. <laughs> and I knew from that point, you know, I was always going to be able to barter for artwork, man. And I still do. Up to date. Shit, man, I'm about to fucking barter a buddy for a, a, a plane ticket out to Colorado. I'm going to go spend some time in the mountains because fuck the Mississippi right now, man. And uh, it's just, I did what I had to do here, you know. But eighth grade fucking sucked. I had a friend named Adam. He was cool. Turned me on to fucking Sacred Reich in seven seconds. Dr. No. 
his parents were crazy bikers. But otherwise, I ended up in a jeopardizing situation. Like I said, you can go back and listen to the 72-hour home episode for all those details. It was, it was fucking hell. Needless to say, I ended up going back to North Carolina. And ninth grade begins. One of four times before I finally fucking quit. Fucking A, man. Yo. Ninth grade. That was the year I uh, really got into Metallica a lot deeper. It connects again with some shit that had happened a year before. You have to listen to the 72-hour hold, but... Cliff Burton definitely became a part of my life at that point. That was like the year they were on tour in Europe. And uh, they they lost a month due to a bus accident. I remember it shook everybody up. And if anything, it was Cliff Burton that made me want to get into music. And made me want to get into rock and roll and... He was definitely that looser end of this non-pretentious motherfucker. And you can see Metallica wasn't pretentious either. They were still just kids back then. But you can tell after the death of Cliff Burton, that was the end of it. And I understood it, you know, on some level in my personal life. I hated ninth grade. I hated fucking... I was... The first month of ninth grade, I was still in Florida. And Johnny Depp was about to fucking start his career in Hollywood, doing Hollywood, uh, eight, or whatever. Fucking Jump Street. And he gave me this copy of fucking Black Flag My War. Because he couldn't take it with him. I asked him where he was going, and he said he had no idea. (laughs) You know, uh... I was re- I got into suicidal tendencies, pretty hardcore, broken bones, uh, a lot more thrash, DRI that year, and then I was into Flipper, and Flipper was this punk band that I fucking just loved, dude, and when I heard Flipper and I was listening to Slayer at the same time, it did something, I wanted to start some weird band that's half, half Flipper, half Slayer. <laughs> I guess the best result of examples you could get out of that would be Satan Burger or uh, Upside Down Cross, if you remember that band. These kind of weird, chunkier punk me- uh, metal riff things that really are just emotional and dirgy. Kind of like my career at school. My dad, he was physically abusive still, even though it wasn't as bad. There were still some fucking incidents, man. Earlier that night, a friendly dispute between Kirk and Cliff over sleeping arrangements. Here's what happened to Cliff cards. The first card that Cliff picked was the Ace of Spades. And he looked at me and said, I want your bunk. And I said, fine. Take my bunk. I'll sleep up front. That's probably better anyway. You know? <laughs> Later on that night, at about five or six in the morning, I heard a skidding. I heard a vibration. And then... This, this motion, I thought we were going off a cliff. We're standing out there in our underwear, you know, 10 below. And I heard everyone screaming except for Cliff. And I thought, oh my God, something's wrong. They're a great group, and 
the thing I've always liked about them is you see them play uh, in, in person and you just immediately get a big smile on their face. There's something about them that just brings a smile on. It's a, it's a degree of happiness that they have a, uh, a great ability to uh, uh, perform that way. Well, you know, I'm personally going to say that Cliff Burton was... Uh the only three parts of Metallica that ever fucking mattered. You know, none of it afterwards was worth a shit. But, you know, ninth grade, man, it was a hard-ass fucking run. Um, but I did get inspired by a few musicians there. And it helped me get into... wanted to play music for a living. A lot of people think you sold out just because you're on a major label and are very popular. Or maybe you don't play a thousand miles an hour the whole time. Or, you know, I mean, we'd, just, we'd be doing the same thing if we were still on, you know, independent label. You know what? We're not trying to be something big and fancy, you know. It's just us doing what we do. Let's like keep it that way. That's it. Words of wisdom from the old burden. Well, I failed ninth grade and I ended up backing in there. So let's see what the fuck happens next, huh? You're getting into the animal farm stage now of life. You're coming into being a young adult. You uh, don't get to act like this fucking younger kid anymore as much. Things are a lot more serious, you know. Pussy's coming into play, even though I really didn't have sex until I was 18. I still got a blowjob from the town fucking whore in Carolina Beach. That was pretty awesome. Still one of the best blowjobs I ever got. <laughs> but you know, these are the beginnings of fucking becoming a young dude. Years passed. The seasons came and went. The short animal lives fled by. The completed windmill stood as a monument to its builder's faith and sacrifice. The animal's revolution was only dimly remembered. Outwardly, Animal Farm appeared prosperous, but the animals themselves were no better off, with the exception of the pigs and their supreme leader, Napoleon. Welcome to Desert Storm. <laughs> the pushing of Desert Storm. That was a huge thing. Uh... You know, on one end, I was kind of in love with this one girl named Lisa that lived on the island. And there was an incident where she just, she sexually kind of degraded me. And it was at this time when it could really just hurt a motherfucker, you know? And you know how sensitive you are when you're a kid. And if you're a person you're fucking with, you know, fucks with you too hard with all this other bullshit going around you know that could really fuck with you I remember Lisa and I were both anarchists and I remember like hearing about Desert Storm I had already been in ninth grade twice ninth grade the second and third time really belonged to fucking Headbangers Ball 120 minutes the young ones anything that was on MTV and as much as I could fucking skate on the island and just stay away from fucking home and away from my dad. You know? 
Pleasure Island. <laughs> you know, where the saying is, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. That's the travesty. Don't cry, little donkey. But you know, um, there is this time where punks were coming out and going against the Fred. Now it's kind of a common thing everywhere. I thought punk rockers were, you know, wanting that when we were younger. I never get it when people bitch about it. Oh, everybody's inked up and pierced up and shit. It's like, well, it's kind of what you wanted. <laughs> you know? I remember, like, the final protest, the final shit. All these Southern Baptist pigs <laughs> in red bow ties. Led by Jesse Helms, some prehistoric fucking relic. Led by Dan Quayle's fucking white supremacist ass, vice president. Wanting that fucking oil out of the Middle East and just the need to go fucking create another war to go attack. The jackals of war, man. America and Europe. Ran by pigs. <laughs> anyway, protesting outside with my, my brother and a bunch of other pigs. And Dan Quayle came up to my brother after this big seminar they were having in the auditorium. And all the pigs were coming out. <laughs> and uh, they were all coming out and Dan Quayle came out. And he put his hand on my brother, on his shoulder, you know, and, and he goes, why don't you fucking Nazis get the fuck out of here? And the vice president said it just like that to my fucking brother. Now it's a revolution, right? You know, finally, uh, my brother drew his fist back to fucking punch the vice president. <laughs> and all you could hear was... Coming from across the street, coming from on top of the roof, coming from all around us. These motherfuckers had guns on us the whole fucking time. And knew that we were, like, troublesome. I threw my fucking protest fucking sign down and fucking left. You know? I was already working at a seafood restaurant. I dropped out of work. Or no, I dropped out of school. I went back to work full time. And got a fucking place. And, uh, just said, fuck pigs. And, um, scored a girlfriend. You know, things were going pretty good for a minute, you know. I ended up, uh, leaving ninth grade the fourth time I was there. <laughs> and I decided that it just really wasn't, high school wasn't where I wanted to be, man. And I just left it. I had already dropped out twice. And the second time I did, I was gone for good. I destroyed it. 
you know? I was like, fuck it. And fuck everybody that goes there. And I really had a disdain for people ever since high school when I realized what kind of douchebags people were destined to become. Anyway, that's the end of my school fucking career. But I do end up going to art school here. It takes place during Columbine, too. <laughs> I'm about to tell you the sordid, sad fucking t- story about that. But I wanted to say, you know, as far as, like, any school goes, and to see my brother have joined the Army after that protest, I've had him on the show on a few episodes. Adam Air MDGD has a fucking brother. But the guy really is... A hypocritical fucking narcissist, man. I, you know, and I just had to let him go. I had to let him go. He had to let me go. Life is like that, man. Anyway, that's the fucking history of my academic shit. Let's get the last part fucking rolling. School was dead for me for a long time. But I guess my, uh, when I came into fatherhood, I decided I wanted to go ahead and do something worth a shit. And at that time, I had this option to go to the Colorado Institute of Art. It's just one of the Institute of Art fucking chains that plague America. Money traps that make you feel like you're going to get some fucking job at the end when really you just end up on a fucking how to fix your fucking air conditioner fucking cheap flash animation commercial which plagues fucking daytime America TV (laughs) that's where you end up at you might get one or two gigs off that fucking thing you know Um, and you end up with a incredible debt I was in uh, I was heading that way but my intention was pure to fucking want to be there for my kid and I loved my son, you know, I, just, I still love my son, but at that time I was loving him. He was a babe. It was like 1999 or whatever, right there. And, uh, I was like fucking, I had to get my fucking GED. And this is that part of the story where it's like, hey dude, I... I had to get my GED so I could move forward uh, and get to school. So I went to Emily Griffith (laughs) Opportunity School and I took that motherfucker four times. (laughs) I just kept paying for it, I guess. Well, the first time was free. It was like first two times are free and then you gotta keep, then you gotta pay for it. Or some shit. I can't, I think that's what it was. Anyway, it was just like my grade nine. I got to four times and I was about to give up. I think I did it a fourth time. It was like the third. I'd done it three times. I was going to give up. I did it a fourth time. And I passed the math part by one question that was failing me. (laughs) I ended up scoring the fucking state minimum level to fucking get your GED. And that was awesome, dude. And, uh, I got enrolled in school, and they totally manipulated me 
and they knew I was mentally ill and all this shit, I had to sit in front of a council of board members to get qualified degradingly if I could be a member of the fucking school or not. And for someone like me, man, that's a hard fucking dick, man. You know? I was like, whatever, man, I fucking just did it. I sat there, I took the fucking prerequisite fucking algebra classes. I was like, oh, this is killing me, man. I really didn't get too far. One day, uh, it was whatever, I can't, go look it up whenever the date was at Columbine, but it was the day Columbine happened. I was at the Colorado Institute of Art, and I, uh, <laughs> you know, they were playing the, they were playing the broadcast of what had happened at Columbine over KBPI, and KBPI is this cheesy-ass metal station, and I figured it was just, I didn't think it was real. I thought it was some bullshit that they were trying to do to be funny, and I thought it was funny because I didn't think it was real and I was only half listening. So I kind of just chuckled out of the side of my mouth or whatever. And this one concerned student looks at me and he's all, what are you laughing about? That's real. And everybody in the class looked at me like I was a fucking bad guy. And I was wearing my 1995 anal cunt shirt, which is going to come up on the next episode, my fucking buddy Tony episode. Uh, but, uh, I was wearing the same anal cunt shirt. <laughs> it didn't go well. I got stopped in the middle of the street and got asked to leave school. I still went to my next class, but everybody was kind of like, they, you know, the instructor of the school stopped me in the middle of the street. I couldn't even cross the street. And he goes, look, two of your instructors are scared of you. <laughs> this is the kind of bullshit I've been dealing with my whole life from motherfuckers like this. Even crusty punks that act like this. They know who they are. All you guys are my fucking enemy too, motherfucker. Don't fucking think I forgot about it, motherfucker. And these guys at Colorado Institute of Art, which fucking went under... And so did all my records. I don't even know if I could get them back, man. But I did go. It was closed down in 2018. Fucking Columbine. <laughs> this is fucking bullshit, you know? It was just fucking bullshit, man. You know, and it was just like fucking... I didn't know... If I was ever really going to go to school again. Here it is in the future. Turns out. I'm definitely going back. I'm definitely going back man. I'm going to go for broadcasting and art therapy. And then I'm really going to get you fucking enemies back on this shit. And everybody that fucked with me. And I want you to fucking know it. This shit is fucking far from over man. And I want to get you back when you're older. Because I'm a Libra. And I might not have done good in school, but I'm going to fuck your ass over. Hey, Mom. You out there? You okay? You fall down? Yeah, I'm all right. You done heard me something. I fell down. 
Holy shit. <laughs> hey, do you got a fucking school story for us or what? Sure, I got a few good ones. Oh, let me see. School story. Well, I guess the first good one would be how I got that little streak of brown in my eye. Oh, yeah, you get to get that uh, mark under your eye. Yeah, I was asking you about how that happened. That was from an eyeball hammer. From smacking a steel hole, doing the full tilt boogie head first. Well, thanks, so Wow. My mom had put me in brand new clothes for the school pictures that day. And my mom was one of those mommy hearest type moms. And her uh, last words to me on my way out the door was, don't get that outfit dirty. And at school, Ashley McCallan and David Dennis started throwing some muddy tennis shoes at me. And I was running, because I knew better than to get dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I looked back, went to look back at them and ran right into the pole, knocked myself out. I woke up, I was in the school nurse's office waiting for transportation to the hospital. Holy shit, dude. And they told me I will have that little streak of brown in my iris for the rest of my life. Wow. Yep. That's fucking sick, Mom. And a little blue dot I got was in the third grade in Miss Gray's class. There was this little Mexican girl that used to mess with me all the time. And she would try to pick fights with me. And had sent me home with enough black eyes, finally, that my mama told me if I came home with one more black eye, she was going to match it. Wow. Yeah. So, I, I, uh, we're doing a test, and I see this chick get up with a, like, handful of pencils, not just one, but two or three, to go hit the pencil sharp. And I go look back down at my test, I'm minding my own business. Next thing I know, I hear somebody call my name, I look up, and I get stabbed in the eye. Fuck, dude. With a pencil. All I could see was this pencil coming towards my eye. It looked like it was a yardstick. Time just slowed down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And thank God I was able to turn my head just a little bit so she got right under my eye instead of getting my eye. Because that's what she was trying for. Damn, dude. And I immediately stood up and picked up the desk I was sitting at. And I just stashed her with it right over the head. <laughs> Fucking brutal, dude. That's. <laughs> I lost it. That's yeah, man. My first, my first ever incident of uh, experiencing berserker rage in my life from my Irish and Apache heritage. And I guess it would come out of fucking school, right? I didn't even remember none of it. And they suspended me for a week after I got out of the hospital. That's fucked up. Yeah, but they said it was to give me time to heal and her time to cool down or them to make 
arrangement to transfer our heart to another class or whatever. But wow. Into us. She was probably, uh, you know, when. Third grade, I was eight years old. She was probably in an abusive uh, family too, huh? She was probably getting abused, huh? I bet probably. both of you guys were. I know I was. Yep, she probably was too. I just I had that on an earlier part of the show, but uh, it there was a you could totally tell the kids that were pissed, man, like us. Well, thanks for sharing that school story, mom. Two for the price of one there. And found out about folks and things about my eye you've been asking me about. <laughs> Fucking evil's I in the eye, right? I tell everybody the little streak of brown is my little streak of shit. <laughs> I always got a little streak of shit in me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sick, Mom. Well, that's about the fuck it. <laughs> fuck school. It's a fucking, it was depressing ass shit. Family life, the fucking institution that fucking follows it. It's stupid, man. It really is about fucking made for fucking like people that fucking just want to glam glamify themselves in fucking society. You know, I guess, you know, you want to fucking do some kind of work in the uh, educational system. Not all teachers are bad, obviously, but they work for some fucking culprit that I don't think they realize in the end. I think, you know, the public school system's a fucking joke, dude. Fucking homeschool those motherfuckers. <laughs> Put a homeschool school together, you know? I don't know. But, you know, the way things are going... It's literally becoming idiocracy. Mike Judge. He fucking called it. <laughs> School does make people stupider. Anyway, call 206-666-5847. Fuck your school. Listen to me and Grandma Gutter Punk. You've been listening to Adam RMD GED. Underground Cartoon Therapy. And the number one thing that we've learned on this show...